gentlemen, and welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Sunday, September 15th, and your Nittany Lions are 3-0 and after another confusing week of Nittany Lion football. My name is Chris, joined as always by my co-host, Pat. Pat, how do you feel, man? Not great. Yeah. Yeah. I want to... Uh, I was pretty negative on Twitter for this game. Um, I think most of us were, Penn State fans in general. Uh, I wanna, I wanna make this not a completely negative episode, but for all of our our faithful listeners and, and maybe some new ones, you you'll you'll get to learn real quick. We're not happy, man. This is this wasn't a great game. Uh, we come in as seventeen and a half point favorites. We win by seven on a little bit of luck, to be honest. Um, that last drive, Narduzzi's option to go for a field goal on the one yard line. We'll get into all of that, but realistically. Should have been should have been a much bigger win um, at home against an inferior opponent, and and there's a lot to talk through. So um, let's start with the gambling lines. So uh, we both failed on the minus seventeen. Both took that, but you, my friend, smartly took the under. Uh, That's right, baby. I, I I'll never bring myself to do it, but congratulations. Uh, you are now four and two on the season, while I fall to three and three. So the race is Ooh. heating up. You have taken a lead. I still don't know what the prize is going to be at the end of the year, but we'll, we'll, f- we'll come up with something. So we'll figure it out. Oh, okay. okay. That's a championship cummerbund. Ooh, I love it. Is that a Brooklyn Nine-Nine watch- reference? Yep. <laughs> yes, I, actually, I actually just finished a rewatch. Uh, for all of our listeners, see, you're going to get some positivity. If you don't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, watch it. Andre oh, Brower is yeah. incredible. All right. Uh, so let's start, like I said, let's start with some positives. We're going to start with our awards. Uh, as usual, we'll go over our Lion and our Lamb. That's our Penn State MVPs and LVPs. Uh, and then we'll get into a Big Ten Baller, Big Ten Bozo of the Week. And then we're going to jump right into Twitter questions. So typically, um, we kind of try to do our own re- recap and then get into your guys' questions. But a lot of questions this week, um, mainly on the topics that we're going to talk about anyway. So we're going to jump right to that. So let's start with the Lion, the MVP of the Week. Who is your Lion. Uh, that's kind of a tough one. I think I'm going to go with Jordan Stout, you know? Yeah, I know. That's my pick, damn it. <laughs> 57-yard field goal, longest in Penn State history, and what ended up being a pretty significant score, you know? Yeah, um, it, it was huge to have that. Uh, 57, longest in history. He's the first Penn State kicker since 08 to have two of 50-plus in a season. Do you know who that person was? 2008. 2008, um, I don't remember. The legend. Uh, huh? Um, no, no, he's not old enough. I was going to say Robbie Gould, but he's too old. Yeah, he's too old. It was the legend named Kevin Kelly. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, everyone remembers Kevin Kelly. Uh, yeah, Jordan Stout, incredible game. Continues to be touch touchback Jesus. Um, 57-yarder, it's, it's just, he's such a weapon, man. And, and we kind of had this conversation a couple weeks ago of like, is there is there a chance he just overtakes field goal duties completely? And I'm just gonna say it like I'm I'm perfectly fine if that happens. Like Pinnegar, I like you. I'm okay with you. But why not just fucking run this kid out there when you know he can do it? I, I don't yeah, like I mean, having the two two field goal kicker system. He's yeah, he's banging in 57 yarders. I gotta imagine he's only more accurate the closer you get. Right, right. So. I, yeah, I mean, that's a conversation for another time. This is a positive segment. <laughs> so Jordan Stout, we love you, man. Excellent game. Uh, that was my pick as well, but but my other option, um, yeah, like you said, it's kind of hard because there's not a lot of bright spots on offense. So mine, I'm actually going to go defense. Um, 
I, w- I do want to give an honorable mention shout out to Micah Parsons because I thought he played a really, really good game. But my lion <laughs> for this week is going to be Cam Brown. Um, I, I thought he was all over the field, uh, had the huge, um, I guess it wasn't a sack because Pickett was able to throw it away, but uh, third and goal when we had that, that goal. Cam Brown had a sack. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I meant on that play particularly. Okay, um, yeah. yeah, he did have one sack, uh, tackle and a half for loss, a pass defended, two quarterback hurries uh, on that goal line stand. It was third and goal. He got right through, uh, made Pickett. <laughs> Uh, uncomfortable and miss uh, and then I believe he was actually the one to to first get a hand on and swat down uh, the final play of the game the Hail Mary so um, yeah he, he seems to me uh, kind of like the heart and soul of this defense um, you know Yitor is, is obviously a little bit more a quiet guy Micah is is all over the place and up and coming but Cam Brown just seems to be that rock that you can always count on and I thought he played a, I thought he played a pretty good game so Cam you are my lion of the week all right flip side the lamb uh, again, new listeners, we talk Lion is your MVP, Lamb is your LVP. This one, unfortunately, there's a, there's a good bit of contenders. Pat, why don't you kick it off? I'm, like, I'm having trouble deciding here. Because um, I, I don't want to give it to a position group. I want to give it to somebody. Yeah. Um, I think even though he, if you just look at the stat sheet, it shows it was a pretty good game. I thought Garrett Taylor had a really bad game. He did. Um yeah, I mean, he had six tackles, um, and including a really big play on uh, third down on that goal line stand. That was a great play, great instincts, great hit. But overall, I thought he just had a bad game. He seemed to be getting beaten coverage kind of all day. Um, was not providing – you saw like a couple times where he should have provided help over top for the cornerbacks, and he just wasn't there. Just he didn't look like himself. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely, um, and and I think that's it's, it's interesting you say that. Like the stat line, good stat line looks good because I think a lot of people do that. They they look at the stat line and they're like, oh, things are fine, things are fine. Like he didn't have a good game, and you know he got beat several times. He got beat on that fourth and one where they went for it. Um, you know we'll talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, he was just it was not himself is is the right way to say it because he is an excellent safety and he has been for you know a year plus now. So. Hopefully, this is a blip on the radar and he gets back on track because we're going to need him uh, as we go into Big Ten play. Uh, my lamb, I not only do I have it as a position group, but I have it as a position group plus two coaches. It's it's the obvious. It's the offensive line plus Matt Limegrover plus Ricky Ronnie. It's just ugly, man. And I'm not going to get into it completely right now because that's basically what all of our Twitter questions are about. But in short, this offensive line looks really good really bad um i know pitt has a good above average d line i have many many examples that we're going to talk through that just blow my mind um and and yeah at the end of the day like it's on the players it's also on the coaches and and lime grover and ronnie and i mean i guess you can lump franklin there too but like there's got to be some changes at some point i don't know what they are but we are going to get into a whole lot of that do you have any quick thoughts before we uh pivot um I'll give one bright spot to the offensive line. No sacks in the second half, so it was obvious improvement at halftime. Uh, all, all three sacks happened in the first half. And true. the protection did seem to get better in the second half. I don't know about that. I think I, I but, highly, highly disagree with that. I think I think Cliff was running for his life uh, for a lot of yeah, it. Um, I, think he's, I think he's constantly rushed, which you can tell is already getting to him. Um, you know what I, you know what I hate, and I, we might have said this on the show before, or maybe just in, in conversation. But I hate already seeing him getting some of that like flat footedness that we saw with Hackenberg, 
where you get so worried about the rush, you forget about your mechanics, and you just kind of stand there a little bit and then force something. Um, I'm getting those like horror visions in my head every time I see him like stop moving in the pocket. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I said, there's there's a lot of a lot of questions from you guys on this and, and a whole bunch to talk to. So um, let's do a couple more awards and then we'll get into the actual game. Uh, so again, every week we give out a Big Ten baller and a Big Ten bozo as our chance to look around the rest of the league and, and see what's happening. So Pat, who's your baller this week? Um, you know, actually, give me a minute. You go first. <laughs> uh, that, that's code for Pat didn't look one up and we'll look up on his phone right now. Yep. <laughs> um. Honestly, there's not a lot of can- there's not a lot of candidates for this one. Uh, it's a fairly quiet week in the Big Ten. Um, outside of Ohio State, kind of dominating Indiana, there weren't a ton of other amazing performances or really even amazing games. There were a lot of kind of like nobody games. So um, I-, I do have two. So if you can't find one, I'll give a second. But my first one, uh, and I hate I hate giving to Ohio State guys, but sometimes you just have to. It's J.K. Dobbins. They're running back. Uh, he had 22 carries. For 193 yards, that's good for 8.8 average and a touchdown. And then he also had a receiving touchdown as well. Um, Fields had another good day, but but Dobbins uh, really seemed to be the story of that game and, and just crushed it. I got one. Got one. Love it. Yeah. Go for it. I'm going with Tyler Johnson. Hey, that was my second. Minnesota. Dude, kid had four touchdowns. Yeah. That's like somewhat unheard of for a college wide receiver. Did he have four? I thought it was three. Four. It might be three receiving and a rushing. Oh, did he have a rushing one too? Okay. I actually didn't see um, that. Hold on. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I don't really care to that look old, up. Old Pat do his uh, research here. I don't, I don't think the listeners care too much either. But, yeah, he did have 10 receptions for 140 and three touchdowns. I know the quarterback threw for three, so he had all three receiving. Maybe he had a rushing too. Yeah, uh, Minnesota, they didn't play anyone very, uh, very special. But Tyler Johnson, he had a great game, kid. All right, let's move on to the Big Ten Bozo. There's a couple of options for Big Ten Bozo here. Do you have a Bozo? I do. I got to go with Michigan State. Uh, Hits the game-tying field goal, gets called for too many men on the field, pushed back five yards, and then fucking misses it. You just And loses to Arizona State two years in a row. You hate to see it. Is that two years in a row? I didn't even know that. Yeah, didn't they lose to him last year, or was it just really close last year? No, I mean, you, you might be right. I honestly, I'm just not remembering, because that would be fucking terrible in Michigan State. Um, I will. Herm Edwards just has, has their true. number. You maybe. play to win the game. That's right. Um, yeah, not a good look for, for Michigan State um, and the Big Ten in general. Uh, they were, what number? Were they? they were like 19 going into the that game, I think? 18. 18. Uh, in today's 18. rankings, they are... Unranked? Am I reading that right? It could be. Yeah. Wow. Unless I'm drunk, which I'm not, because it's Sunday night and it's 9.30 p.m. They're oh, not ranked in, in the AP Top 25. Wow. Hey, guess what, Michigan State? You guys are fucking bozos. <laughs> um, this is me getting my frustration out on other teams before we start talking about my own team. Uh, yeah, Michigan State, bozos. Uh, mine, uh, the only other one uh, that really came up was Iowa, Iowa State. Um, so Iowa is going to get an almost Bozo Award because they almost blew this game. And then Iowa State is actually going to get the Bozo. Um, and I know you might be saying, Chris, they're not even in the Big Ten. How can they get the Big Ten Bozo of the Week? Too bad it was a Big Ten game. I'm giving it to them. Uh, so this was a back-and-forth game. Iowa State looked really good. Honestly, they, they played well. I mean, Iowa wasn't playing their best game, but Iowa State defense looked particularly good. 
Late in the game, it's 18-17 Iowa. Uh, Iowa State goes for it on 4th and 13, and there's a penalty. Iowa Iowa guy gets there a little early, hits the receiver. It's pass interference. I was ready. I was typing notes on my computer like, oh, my God, they're going to lose the game. They're bozos. And I wrote down the kid's name. Turns out they were offsetting penalties. Do over. They just do the 4th and 13 over again. Uh, they don't convert. They have to give it away. But defense makes a stand. Iowa now has to punt, and Iowa State has another chance to steal this game. On the punt, Iowa State's own guy, like he's going back, he's trying to block the Iowa guy, runs directly into his own punt returner. <laughs> the ball bounces off them. Iowa recovers. Game over. It was, it was, it was absolutely brutal to watch. Um, so Iowa State, you guys are not even in the Big Ten, and you just won the Big Ten Bozo of the Week. How does it feel? Waiting for their response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not going to type in. Uh, so, yeah, a couple of bozos around the league, a couple of ballers around the league. Um, talking about the AP poll, uh, we stay at number 13. Um, we are now tied with Wisconsin, which I didn't know you could tie in the AP poll. Um, actually, no, that's a lie I did because I, I made that same comment like a year or two ago, but it still, still like fascinates me. Why would you have ties? Like, is that, is the 25th, well, then, is, the, is that last 2015 like really that important to be – their sole designation, like just bump everyone down one. Um, but that being said, uh, there's a couple things uh, around the AP poll. We had one question earlier from uh, from someone on Twitter saying, uh, "How is how is a one loss team talking about Texas ahead of unbeaten teams?" They lost to a good team. Exactly. First of all, they lost to LSU in a very competitive game to a very good LSU team, uh, while these undefeated struggle with far lesser competition. Yeah, I mean if. If you ask me what it looks like right now, if we played LSU, it wouldn't be that close. No, God, no. God, no. Yeah, I'm okay with Texas being ahead of us. Um, if my friend my friend Rowdy listens to this show, pretend I didn't say that. Uh, big Texas fan. Uh, and the other thing that the other thing for me, too, is like, we've said this before, the AP poll doesn't matter anymore. Like, it's indicative. It's bragging rights. Nothing matters until we get to the college football playoff selection committee, which doesn't happen until much later in the season. All right, so let's jump into some Twitter questions. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about uh, around this game, uh, and there's most of these questions are around the offensive line and about Ricky Ronnie. Um, there's a couple others, but I think we start there. Um, all right, so let's start. Brandon Beal, shout out Brandon, uh, says the O-line looked pathetically uninspired after giving up sacks. Is it the coaching and seniors' fault that these guys are basically throwing temper tantrums when they give up a sack? See, not helping Clifford and looking at each other, seemingly blaming the others. What can be done? Uh, Brandon, thank you for writing in and, and summarizing a lot of my frustrations. I tweeted about some of this. Um, there's there's that one play in particular that I'll, I'll talk through where Cliff just got murdered and they basically all stood there and just kind of looked around and it, it made me so, so infuriated. Um, but what's your take on it? I mean, it does seem like we're just kind of nonchalantly out there, which, I mean, I know these guys are passionate and they're playing to win, but it doesn't look like it. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a big problem, more so than just the performance is their reaction to it. Um, I mean, it's hard to say that that doesn't fall on coaching. A coach is supposed to motivate his players. But you need, like, at the end of the day, you need some senior leadership on the field. Like, someone's got to step up and be the leader. Like, hey, guys, what the fuck are we all looking at each other for? Let's go get this done. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you have that You have that run of it's, you know, Gonzalez, Mennett, Fries. Uh, Miranda and maybe Rasheed Walker. It's like Rasheed Walker is a redshirt freshman, I think. So he's a young dude. Um, Miranda's fairly young. 
Fries, Menet, and Gonzalez are supposed to be like the older guys, and they all, to me, come off as very like passive, like simple guys, just like as people. Um, and I know that's different on the football field. I'm not saying it has to be, but like I don't know. That worries me a little bit. Um, so the play that Brandon's talking about in particular, uh, it's a third and eight, right? Clifford gets sacked. Uh, they have a six-man rush. So we have our five offensive linemen, and we even have Journey Brown in pass protection on that play. So we're keeping him in to protect. Journey is the only one who gets a block. All five linemen somehow get beat. Obviously, they ran a stunt, but somehow all five of these defenders, plus Journey's guy because he eventually gets around him, are just crashing on Sean Clifford. And I honestly, I have a couple of screenshots. I'll end up sharing them. I tweeted out the video, but it's no joke. Our five linemen standing there just kind of looking around while Clifford is at the bottom of a pile of pit players. How are you not furious in that moment? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of, you expect maybe some kind of like fire in your belly there. Yeah. Where you get mad that this just happened to you, that you just let this happen yeah. to your quarterback. And that's the point for me. Not even like that you got beat. You just let your quarterback get rocked. <laughs> like, if that's me, I'm, and again, please take this all with a grain of salt. I'm not a D1 athlete. I'm not an offensive lineman. I'm not saying I can do it better. But if that's me, man, I am running over, picking my quarterback up, saying, hey, bro, I got you next time, and doing anything I fucking can to keep him on his feet. Um, so, yeah, that one was super ugly. I think I think to Brandon's question, there's definitely absolutely has to be some leadership on the field. Um, and maybe it is some of the young guys. Maybe it is a guy like C.J. Thorpe stepping up. Uh, maybe it is, you know, someone else who, who isn't one of the main guys. I don't know. Um, but there's got to be something. And, and coaching, you, you, we've talked about it before, but I'm, I'm over Lime Grover so bad. I really am. You, you oh, said it last you know week. You said it last week, and you've been saying it for a while. Uh, I I'm saying it since last year. You have, you have, and I'm I'm absolutely done with them. Um, let's see if we have any other offensive line questions here, because I feel like we did. I mean, um, I can't speak too much to his performance thus far, just because it's it is hard for certain linemen to stand out throughout the game. But CJ Thorpe seems like the only one with the attitude that I want out of my linemen. Yeah, he he was the one in on the Noah Kane touchdown, uh, and and got a nice push, made made a block, and it was great. Uh, and I know that's one isolated play, and you can't, you know, take that for he's better. But yeah, I agree. I think I think he's one of the few that we see kind of get fired up. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the changes are. I, I think the biggest the biggest challenge for me is like with Lime Grover, you you almost want to say make a midseason change and get rid of him. If there's not a better option out there, does that do more harm than good of getting rid yeah. of a position coach during the season? I don't know. Um, I don't know what the O-line room thinks about him, right? Um, and that could go either way because if they love him and you get rid of him midseason, does that do even more harm? But also, vice versa, if they love him and think things are good, is that part of the complacency, you know? So, like, yeah, if they think things are good, something's fucking wrong. I, I really, really hope not. Um, all right, so some of the other questions here. Most of the other ones uh, revolve around Ronnie and the play calling. Uh, so CJ Scalzetti, uh, his first one was, I have a ton, which I thought was really funny. Um, uh, let's see. He's got a bunch of, he says, do you blame Clifford and R Clifford or Ronnie for that terrible play call last offensive series when they're trying to kill a clock and he throws the low percentage bomb let's circle back to that one. Cause that's, that's a whole lot. Um, CJ also says, what is it with college offensive systems that they are such slaves to it and cannot deviate at all, meaning that for the last few seasons, this team cannot run a four-minute drill to save its life, cannot power run. Why with the largest O-line we've ever had? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, and then CJ also says, do we really need to examine the whole Joe Mo RPO scheme in terms of running back play? Saquon and Miles are awesome, but for this f- uh, for the fourth year, this veteran O-line still can't pick up blitzes and stunts and make holes for the running backs. Um, so yeah, I think all of those kind of kind of ask a lot of the same thing uh, without without saying it. Uh, in Franklin, we trust. Uh, another uh, Penn State account says, what does Franklin see in Ronnie? He's not a top 10 offensive coordinator. Cody McGovern says, I know I'm rambling, but these are all the same, and I want to give shout-outs to these people who took the time to write in. Cody McGovern says, Ronnie coaching well enough to stay around? Question mark. Based on one season and three games, I think it's safe to say this is not the same offense or he is not the same play caller Moorhead was. I think an upgrade may be necessary. Uh, and then Scott says, uh, is the game plan of the four-minute offense to run two plays up the middle for little to no gain, then throw 40 yards downfield for a three and out? If so, I think it needs to be updated. <laughs> yeah, Scott, we, we agree with that. Uh, and he said, I'm not a football coach, so I hate to criticize. But uh, but at the end of the game, I'd much rather have my offense have the ball than playing defense. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, I think that's most of them. And, and if there's someone we didn't get to, sorry, thanks for writing in. But let's start. Let's start with the play calling and Ronnie and sort of sort of everything. So uh, I have a ton of notes and they are not very well organized, just because my mind is all over the place with this game. So give me give me some of your initial thoughts on Ronnie play calling everything that happened there. All right. So I am not calling for Ricky Ronnie's head here. Um, I actually thought first of all you have to take into account that he is this entire game making play calls around an utterly ineffective offensive line. It is a hard thing to do. Um, and I actually thought until sort of later in the game when Penn State had the lead, I thought he was calling a decent game before that. Um, and then it this weird, like, all of a sudden after we had the lead and it was like, I don't know, maybe even like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, we seemed to just get super conservative and try to win like this field position battle instead of going for anything. And, like, it would be third and three, and we would run the ball. Third and two, we would run. And then all of a sudden, it's third and one, we throw a 40-yard bomb. Like, where, where is any of this coming from? Yeah. Like, I, that was – I thought most of the game, it was actually called fairly well by Ricky Ronnie because, for, I mean, our identity is a big play team. I'm okay with that. It is frustrating at times. But it has been mostly effective, and that's also what we were under Joe Moorhead. So let's not forget that. But this, it was like the end of the game just seemed to – and I don't know if that came from him or Frank, Franklin was telling him, like, hey, we're in the field position battle now, be conservative. I don't know. But all of a sudden, he was calling a fairly aggressive game for most of the game and then just kind of took the pedal off the gas on third downs. It's very strange. Yeah, so I don't know if I agree that he was calling a good game, and, and this is probably where you and I just differ. That Maybe, maybe this is just because I'm not a fan of his, not yet at least. Um, I think there were I think there were moments of good calls, and and this is what I think is so so frustrating is it's almost like the Jekyll and Hyde with him where there's there's these plays and these even these drives that look okay and then they just like without any warning just fucking sputter out and we're like dead. Um, so a couple things let's let's talk about third down percentage because you, you mentioned that I think this is a this is a horse that I am going to beat until it gets fixed. Um, you talked about how we're a big play offense, and, I've, and James Franklin has actually even made that same argument for why our third down conversion rate isn't better. I am so over that. That's the biggest bullshit in the world. Like, I'm listen, third down, chunk plays are great, so we don't have as many third downs, right? For the ones we do, we are really, really bad. 
And if you're relying on nothing but the big plays and you can't keep a drive alive, you're going to put yourself in some terrible positions. Um, so just to read off some of our our competition in, in just the Big Ten. I'm not even going to go other conferences. Uh, Wisconsin actually leads the country in third down conversion at 65%. That's impressive. Ohio State, 54%. Minnesota, 52%. Illinois, 51%. You're seeing a trend here. Uh, Michigan, 48%. Michigan State, 48%. On and on. Maryland, 44%. All of these teams, pretty damn good. Uh, if you remember last year, we were in like the 16%. We are up to a whopping 21% conversion rate. That is disgusting. I'm sorry, 23%. We are 7 for 30. That's just bad, man. And, like, I don't care how you slice it. Like, you're you're not going to run an offense that can move the chains, keep the possession, and, and lead a game-winning drive. I'm stumbling over my words because I can't even fathom it. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean, but my the other thing I have to point out is, like, when we seem just unable to run the ball up, you know, between our tackles because our offensive line is totally ineffective, it's hard to build and sustain a drive. Yeah, like your only option is almost to go with big plays. I, I agree. And in the that fact that they're that creating is... these big plays, you do have to give them credit for. Yes and no. Yes and no. I, I, I think it's. I yeah. I, I first and foremost, I blame the O line, and that's sort of why my my my, light, my lamb rather was O line plus line Grover plus Ronnie, um, because again, Ronnie, if you're the yeah. offensive coordinator. The offense falls on you now. You are in charge. You are calling the plays. I, I get that the O-line isn't helping you, but there's got to be some changes there. So a couple other things that I have written down. Uh, Pat Frymuth had one catch for 16 yards, I think it was. That was the yeah. first play of the game. First play of the game. You know how many targets he had the rest of the game? Two? Two total. So he had that one that he caught and one other target for the rest of the game. This guy is arguably, if not the best tight end in the country. How is he not involved in your in your offense? And you know what? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because I rewatched the condensed version of the game this morning. There were I didn't I should have counted. There were several plays, several plays that Pat Fryermuth was in the backfield to block because of our ineffective O line. So now, not only is your O line not doing it, you're taking away one of your best offensive weapons. That is just ridiculous to me. Like, ridiculous. I don't know how you fix that, but that's ridiculous. Yeah, but what else can you do when you're off the line camp? Blah. It's got to be something, man. I don't I don't have the answers, and, and maybe I shouldn't be talking about it without an answer, but there's got to be something. You know, like, I, I can't blame Ricky Ronnie for keeping Pat Frymuth in the block because our actual linemen can't seem to do it. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's look at that that drive uh, right before right before the halfs end. Uh, this is the one that set up that fifty seven yarder, the one where Cliff got crushed that we talked about earlier. Uh, so it's third and ten, about a minute left. The O line blows something. There's a free rusher. Uh, Cliff feels pressure and forces it to KJ, and he got like eight eight and a half ish. Um, looked like there were some decent other routes on that. Uh, Fryermuth uh, dots in shorter, but but they didn't have time to develop. So they go for the fourth and one. They get it with Ricky. Third and eight, that same play that I just talked about, and, and Cliff gets ac- absolutely crushed. I'm okay with blaming the O-line on that one, right? Because the plays that he called, that Ronnie called, didn't have any time to develop. So, like, I'm okay with that. First series after halftime, we find ourselves in a third and eight. This is one of those that you keep Pat and Journey in pass protection. So now you have, everyone's going to do some math with me. You have five offensive linemen, plus Pat Fryermuth 
plus Journey Brown. So we have seven people. Thank you. Pat, you're good at this, man. I should have let you call in response. That's on me. So we have seven people in blocking. Pitt rushes four. So if we have seven and they're rushing four, how many more do we have than them? Be three more, Chris. Thank, thank you, Pat. Excellent, excellent work. Pat and Pat and Journey. Uh, I'll start calling him Fryermuth, so I'm not talking about you. Fryermuth and Journey Brown somehow block the same guy, which I'm not sure why, because Fryermuth was on the left side of Clifford and Journey Brown was on the right. But as soon as the ball was snapped, Fryermuth like went across Clifford, and him and Journey both get the same guy. Okay, still that means that we're we're five offensive linemen on a three-man rush. Absolutely beat. Just absolutely beat. Cliff gets pressured again. So, like, that's terrible, right? That's absolutely terrible in the offensive line. But I'm trying to be a little bit more analytical in this and figure out what's happening. If you're going to keep that many people in, so you got seven people in plus Clifford, that's how many? That's eight. Right? So how many people do you have running routes? Three. We're excellent at math. We're really, really good at this. So you have three wide receivers. And again, this is a third and eight. You have three wide receivers running to convert. You have to have some sort of high percentage routes going. Something at the sticks to get the conversion. So what this ends up this play ends up happening, this is the one that he scrambles and he chucks it up to Chisena. Chisna, the I don't know how you say his name. Oh yeah, that was almost an incredible play. Almost an incredible play, right? It bounces on the floor, whatever. But my problem with this is it's third and eight. You're keeping two people in to block. So you're only giving yourself three routes to get this eight yards. All three of them looked deep. You had Chisena going deep. I think it was Dotson. KJ was coming over the middle, but it was a good five or six yards past the first down marker and continuing to go upfield. Like there's got to be something near the sticks to get that first down. Give yourself a chance. Like give yourself a chance. And I think this is what the problem is, is like we look at these plays and say, oh, well, it was the O-line. Oh, if if Chisena just came down with it, it would have been amazing. Like, yeah, but that's covering up the problem with the fucking play call. You know? Yeah, that's fair. All right, I'm going to keep rambling. I got, I, got, I got a lot to go on this. So, But I'm, my, I guess my other, like, addendum to that be is they probably don't have a ton of plays in the playbook that correspond with a seven-man protection. Yeah, but but again, as, as an, <laughs> I fully agree with you. Fully agree with you. But There's probably only a few of those. Sure, but as an offensive coordinator, if that's what like it, it has to, it's like this chicken and the egg thing, right? If the O line, if you have to keep seven people in because the O line sucks, then you have to have plays for seven people in. Like it, you can't you can't keep having something be the excuse, right? So then there was another possession. This one's a good drive. I actually really like this drive. Uh, they get into a sec, uh, second and seven. Pitt is rushing six, and it's a dump off to Noah Kane, who beats his guy and gets a solid ten. Um, what I loved about this is it wasn't one of those like behind the line of scrimmage screens. It was actually out in the flat. He just he made a better route than the defender that was guarding him. Picked up first down. It's very nice. Uh, next one was like a medium pass to Jahan Dotson. Uh, he made a really nice catch. Probably made Cliff look better than he was on that. Great. Uh, another one he evades pressure. Short pass to Cam Sullivan Brown. Okay, we're moving. We're moving. Later that drive, Noah Kane scores a touchdown. This is with five minutes and 50 seconds left in the third quarter. How much did we see Noah Kane after that touchdown? Not much at all. Zero. He wasn't part of the game plan after he was arguably the most effective runner of the day. Shout out Journey Brown with the 85 yard. It was gorgeous, but that's one run. Noah Kane looked the part, 
killed it. They told us that they were going to ride the hot hand, and then we don't see him again? I don't know if that's Franklin. I don't know if that's Ronnie. I don't know who, if that's Jaywan Sider. I don't know. But that is insane to me. Like, what's the rationale? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand either. <laughs> I don't get it. And Franklin said in the post game, they asked him about it, and there was a, they're like, well, why didn't you bring him in here? And it was some situation in the fourth quarter. And they said, yeah, we should have got him in. Uh, that would have been a good situation for his, his running style. And that kind of pissed me off because, like, all summer, all we heard from Franklin and Ronnie were, we're really excited about this four running back rotation because we don't have to change how we call the game depending on who's in there. They're all super talented, and we can just keep cruising. Clearly, that's not the case. And, like, it never should have been, right? Of course, you're going to cater to different people's styles. But, like, I don't know. It just That just seems, that seems really bad to me. Um, two more, two more, and then I'm going to stop rambling. We'll get into some other things. Uh, later on, there's a second and seven uh, where we do a, a screen. And this one actually was kind of a bubble behind the line of scrimmage, which, again, I don't love, but clearly part of the playbook. Journey Brown gets like 15 yards. It's really nice. Um, right after that, we find ourselves right back in a third and seven. They give it to Ricky Slade up the gut. <laughs> Zero yards. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what those were the ones I was talking about. All of a sudden, we were just running the ball on third down. It, and I mean, there's always arguments, right? The 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 Journey Brown 85 yarder was on a third down, but that's also like on your own. I don't know four yard line. Like there, that was to clear room for the punter. Yes, the, that play was exactly. And Journey made an incredible play. So like. Yeah, that one made no sense to me. And then let's get into the four-minute drive. So this is this is the one that we had a couple of those Twitter questions from, and, and honestly, that everyone has criticized. Um, this has been one of Franklin's biggest criticisms since he got here, is you don't know how to close out a game. You, you can't just run out the clock at those first downs. So there's a couple things to call out here. Um, one that I think, uh, I don't know if this one's on Clifford or if it's on Ronnie, there were multiple plays while the clock is running that Clifford snapped it with a whole lot of time on the play clock. Uh, there was a second and nine. He snaps it with 14 seconds left. There's a first and 10 where the clock's still running. Snaps it with 10 seconds left. I know you can't take it down to one second every time. That's 25 seconds on the clock that you just wasted. Something to note. Um, nice completion of Justin Shorter on, on that one for a first down. Uh, the clock kept running. I, th- I thought he was out of bounds. Must have got a hand in. Um, would have been nice to see more Justin Shorter. He looked he looked like he was catching mostly everything that was thrown his way. Um, he only ended up with two catches for 29 yards. Yeah, but our leading receiver was KJ Hamler with three. So True. really nobody got the ball that much. True. And KJ had, KJ had like nine targets, I think, which, again, you're okay with. He's the playmaker. You're trying to force it to him. But but again, for me, it's it's the type of plays that you're calling. And, and I know I'm contradicting a little bit because even my, my don't be surprised if was don't be surprised if we don't open up the playbook. I'm not looking for gadget plays. I'm not looking for anything crazy. I'm looking to get our guys in, in space. Um, so this, this third and four, this is the play that everyone's talking about. It's third and four. If we get a first down, they have one timeout left. If we get a first down, they have to use their timeout. We can basically end the game. Third and four, this, this is my problem. So again... Journey is in, uh, kind of on like a, a pass protection, but he slips out onto like a, a kind of a screen behind the line of scrimmage. Never had a chance. Uh, two guys crashing in. Um, Pat Fryermuth is in on pass protection. So this is third and four with a game on the line, and your best tight end in the world is in on, on blocking. The fuck out of here. KJ and Jahan are both running deep on the right side of the field. 
I don't know what was happening there. The None of the replays really showed you a good angle. The only other route, um, like I said, Journey kind of in the backfield there, I think it was Nick Bowers, was crossing over the middle. But again, he's a good five, six yards past the first down marker. Um, this this didn't seem like there was a chance. Like, you, you gave Clifford one option over the middle, and if that option is guarded, you either have to chuck it up to uh, KJ or Jahan, you have to try to force it to journey where he it wasn't going to happen, or you got to try to run and just keep the clock moving. Cliff makes the decision to chuck it up. It's a bad decision by Clifford. Like, there's no two ways about that. But to me, the play call is just terrible. Where, where, where? The, and again, I'm not a genius. I'm not an offensive coordinator. Where are the slants? Where are the curls? Where's the running back releasing to the other side? If you have KJ and Jahan running down the right side of the field, Nick Bowers crossing over to the right side of the field, it's a flood to the right. Why are you slipping Journey out to the right as well? Slip him out to the left. There's open field there. I don't know. I'm rambling. I'm upset. That just absolutely killed me. There should have been never, never a reason that they get the ball back there. Thank you for coming. Yeah, I mean, I, as much as I was a bit of an apologist for Ricky Ronnie today, I will say his play calling on third down was abysmal. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Um so like I said, we're, we're beating this horse to death. Uh, and again, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I promise we're happy people most of the time. We like this team. We love this team. And uh, this one just was, was kind of ugly. So I don't know what changes. I will say this. We're going into a bye week. Um, I never thought I would say it's much needed, but I, I think it's much needed after three weeks. Uh, yeah. We're starting Big Ten play, and, and some things need to be figured out, man. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but if anyone out there is a genius, please tweet at Ricky Ronnie and help him out. All right. Um, let's flip. I mean, that's most of the offense, I think. Let's flip to the defense. Um, let's start with some good things. Run defense was really great. Yes, it was. Really great. Was it 24 yards on 25 carries, something like that? Yeah, I thought our linebackers played really well. For the run defense, absolutely. Um in pass coverage, not so much. We were we were very bend don't break this game, um, but but the run defense was really good. Um, we had a lot of guys. We only like gave ten points this game. You got to remember that. Yeah, true. No, I'm I'm okay with the defense. I, I'm I'm happy with the defense in the sense they let up ten points. Um, I think those were our predictions, right? I think I predicted nine. You predicted ten, right? I think I said six. Oh, you did say six. I'm sorry. Either way, we were close. Um, Whatever. I'm, I'm okay with the run defense. They had 25 carries, 24 yards. That's damn good. Here's the problem. We talk about how, you know, if you want to shut down one phase, make them one-dimensional, force their hand. Kenny Pickett, we're talking about not being a great quarterback, right? Last week, he had 321 yards. It's a career high. We shut down the run, but we let him go 35 for 51 with 372 yards. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good for Kenny Pickett. No touchdowns, though. No touchdowns. So, again, that, then that's the bend, don't break, right? Um, something I saw a lot on Twitter that pissed me off is people, people were saying, well, he threw it 51 times. Of course he's going to get yards. Dude, he was 35 or 51. He 69% completion percentage. Nice. Not time for jokes. 69% completion. That's damn good. Look at our guy. Cliff was 14 of 30. That's under 50%. Like, that's ugly. That's a tale of two quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett should not be outperforming Sean Clifford in this game. Like, it just shouldn't happen. And I actually, I thought our defensive backs mostly played a good game. Um, I, I already told you I thought Garrett Taylor did play well in pass coverage. 
But I thought our corners actually played really well. They had, but Pitt had a couple of receivers make, make some plays against like great coverage. And I mean, I got to tell you, as much as you want to see your cornerbacks have better ball skills than wide receivers, that's generally not realistic. That's why those people are wide receivers and those people are cornerbacks. Okay. Yes. Yes. No, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, and th- cause that's another common sentiment on Twitter. This of, well, they had amazing catches and, and there was nothing we could do about it. I rewatched the game. It was two plays that they had amazing catches on both three. at the end of the game. I counted two. I'm not, I don't give a shit to argue, but I counted two at the end of the game, both by Taser. There was the one that happened um, right before the touchdown. Mm-hmm. There was the one that happened uh, right before the failed goal line, or our goal line stand. Yep. And then there was the one at the end of the game on their last drive. They had one, too. So I must have missed that first one. So, so the two that I have, let, let's start there. So the first one that I have, it's second 19, uh, Tazier Mack running up the left sideline, so bottom of your screen, against Donovan Johnson. Donovan Johnson runs with him step for step. This is the one he catches it like on the one-yard line. Lamont Wade yeah. was coming across. Um, Don Johnson's running with him step for step, but gets turned around at the end. Mack starts going up for the ball. Don Johnson looks a bit late, gets turned around, because he was in position to have like his his uh, front hand, so his hand closer to the quarterback, kind of go up and make a play. He gets completely turned around and ends up behind the receiver. It's it's not a great play. Like I mean, or it is a great play by the wide receiver, but if you're running with him step for step there, I think you got to make a better play on the ball. Um, I, I'm okay excusing it, but again, I gave him to it on the one. That was, I think that was right before the goal line stand. Um, so lucky, luckily our defense bails them out there, but... I don't know. It wasn't amazing to me. It was a good catch. Our guy was running with him. You got to make a play. Uh, I think that was the one that went in for the touchdown next. The one because the one before the goal line stand wasn't that the one where he kind of went out of bounds, bobbled the ball a little bit. Uh, I have that one. So I, maybe I thought that was on the last drive. I, I, I can't remember. I think that was on the last drive. So this one too. This one is it's on the left side. Um, Pickett evades some pressure, throws it up, lets his guy make a play. Um, and it's Castro Fields, and he, he kind of overruns it, so he's a step or two deep with his back to the ball, turns around, Mac goes up and gets it, and, and Tariq doesn't. Like, he gets he gets his hand up, but it's it's late, and he's a little out of position. I love Tariq Castro Fields. I think he's our best corner. Like, I, I in coverage, like, I love John Reed, don't get me wrong, but I think Tariq is an incredible corner. He was out of position a little bit. Sure, he ran with him, but he overran by a couple of steps, didn't get his hands in. Like, I don't know. I don't like, I don't like using the... Well, they just made some really good plays, even if it is three, even if it's, I don't know, 100 yards. Okay, he still completed 31 for almost 300 still, you know? Like, that that to me is like, again, taking the narrative of, well, if, if not just for these things, everything would have been fine. There was so much soft coverage, man. Like, I, I didn't think our DBs played particularly well at all. Like, their average, average reception was 10.6 yards. And I would love to, if anyone knows how to look this up, please tell me, but I would love to look up the average yards like that the ball traveled in the air. Because a lot of them were short to medium passes that their receivers kept going on. Um, not to take away from Pickett, he had, some, he had a lot of nice throws, but like, I don't know, I thought we were very, very bend, don't break, let up a lot of short and medium stuff, and just let them carve us up. Well, those like flat and curl routes, those are generally the uh, area for linebackers if you're playing zone coverage. Yeah, yeah, and maybe it's on our linebackers. Yeah, maybe I misspoke there. Um, but even even like crossing routes over the middle, like if if you watch this game back, you will see just 
they they found the soft spots in our coverage, whether it's linebackers, D backs. I'll be honest, I'm not a I'm not a defensive guru. I don't know that. Um, but average reception, ten point six yards, and they just kept moving the ball. So um, I don't know. I, I I didn't think it was a particularly great pass defensive game. Um, run D, fantastic. Love you guys. Uh, pass D, I think I think a better team punches a lot of those in for touchdowns, and we're looking at a really different game. Yeah, I mean that's true for sure. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things on defense. Um, they're fourth and one. It was just a great call, honestly, for them to go for it. Garrett Taylor just got beat. Like, he stayed in thinking it was a run. Dude ran straight by him. It was a really good call. I don't I don't know, like, how else to say anything about it. It was a great call, but it was also a bad play by Garrett Taylor. Yes, very much. <laughs> very much. Um, goal line stop was great. We've kind of talked about that. Cam Brown making a big play. Uh, Mike Parsons. Yeah, Garrett really Taylor making a big play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was in on that. Um, so yeah, Micah had a really good day. Nine tackles, uh, crosses the hundred tackle mark for his career. Three games into his sophomore season, that's pretty impressive. Uh, we had three sacks total, so both of our predictions about um, five or more did not come true. Um, and that's another Twitter question that we have. Uh, this one comes from CJ Scalzetti again. CJ, thanks, man. Uh, said all offense. We heard about how fierce the defensive ends looked. I'm thinking. They are mediocre, but because they played our O-line in practice, we still who still can't figure out blitzes and stunts, they looked like world beaters. Are we now exposed? D-tackles are actually better than I thought. I don't think so, just because these guys also showed last year versus Big Ten competition that they were good. So I don't think the reason is because they were practicing against our own line. Uh, I, I think it's just been kind of disappointing thus far. I mean, even of the two... Of the three sacks we had this game, two of them came from linebackers. Mm-hmm. That's really disappointing. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think Eater had a single tackle. Uh, you are correct. I'm looking at yeah. the, the box score right now. Wow, I didn't actually even know that. Yeah, um, Shaka Tony had the only sack for the off defensive line. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't really know who else even played well on our defensive line. Like PJ Mustafa had one tackle. Uh, Windsor had two. Yeah. Yeah. Antonio uh, Shelton had two. Yeah. Shane Simmons looked okay. I think, uh, Shaka, I thought, I thought Shaka looked good. His sack came at an opportune time as well. Um, I'm actually a little shocked that Etor isn't on this box score. I didn't catch that earlier. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, I think that kind of goes to like, Hey, the run defense was good because our, our D line was plugging up the holes enough and the linebackers were cleaning it up. Um, but we didn't get the pressure that we, we thought we were going to see. So uh, to the question from CJ, maybe there's some of that, uh, that our, our D-line has looked better because our O-line is really bad, as we're starting to see. Um, there's probably some of that, sure, but I still think we're super talented. Like I think I think the combination of Vitor and Shaka and Shane Simmons and, and Jason Owe, I think the talent is there. Um, is it a little bit concerning? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would have thought we've had much more sacks by now. Um, and it's not even the sacks. It's just, it's, it's the pressure, right? Like the Kenny Pickett had a lot of time to throw. Um, when he did have to make some sort of a small move, he made a small move and and that was kind of it. And he was open again. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a little bit worrisome for me. Actually, the, the thing that worries me the most about our defensive line is how bad we are recognizing screen passes. Holy shit, yeah. do we just blow right by those things? Yeah, they had a couple of really nice screens I had that written too. They had like at least two that I remember, maybe three. And they almost had another one if I think it was Cam Brown didn't make a really good play on the ball. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's actually a really fair statement. I think we, yeah, because I, mean, I, I think the sacks will come. I think those guys are talented enough that you know they're going to break through eventually. They've been a little disappointing thus far, but it's going to happen. But like that screen recognition is just not good, man. Yeah, yeah, agreed completely. Um, that's good. And again, this this is kind of those things that you don't you don't ever think you need a bye week after three non conference games to start the season, but these are the things that just got to get corrected, man. Um, anything else on the defense? That's really all I have. Um, no, that's really it. All right. I think that's all of our Twitter questions as well. Thanks to everyone who wrote in. Um, let's wrap up special teams. Uh, talked about Jordan Stout. He's an absolute legend. Uh, Gilligan, six of his seven punts inside the 20. So hate that we had to punt seven times, but if you got to do it, thank, thankfully he looked pretty good today. Um, and we've, we've talked about how he's regressed a little bit too. So nice to see that change of pace from Gilligan. Um, all right, let's go. Uh, our, our return game has been pretty mediocre thus far. Yeah, my, my prediction for five or more return touchdowns of the season. Great. Not great, Bob. Uh, let's take a look at the returns. Uh, KJ Hamler had three kick returns for 57 yards. That's so an average of 19. As Which long is as 24. Bad. Not great. That's uh, literally all worse than if they had just been touchbacks. Correct, because you started on, what, the 25? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you guys, we're good at math. We're good at numbers. <laughs> Uh, one punt return. Uh, they only punted once. Is that true? No. Oh, they they were all fair catches. Duh. I'm an idiot. Yes. Sorry. We only had one return. They did punt six times. Uh, one return for five yards. Uh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing crazy there either. So, yeah. Special teams. Um, I think on the kicking and punting side, we're definitely seeing some strength where we we've struggled in the last couple of seasons. But the return game has not seen the breakout yet. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see that going forward. Um, also, so, that penalty on Chisana was bullshit. Yeah, the, I wasn't going to get into it, but the, the the officiating in this game in general wasn't very good. Um, there, there's a lot of things that that should have been and and could have been called. Um, so, like the the play we talked about earlier, where Cliff got piled on. Um, I tweeted it out. There's like four guys on him. He's already on the ground, and some dude comes flying in and just hits him while he's already on the ground. Wasn't a massive hit, but it should have been a late hit. Absolutely, uh, there was a helmet to helmet on him that that should have been called. Absolutely, um, we have a Twitter question. I don't remember this play. Um, oh no, I do. I'm sorry. Uh, he said, "Why was there no review of the circus catch by Pitt on the sideline on third and long? He bobbled it and only got full possession." I I'm, I don't really care about that one. I don't think that should have been reviewed. Um, but yeah, I think there were definitely some some officiating issues in this game. You can't blame it on that, though. Like, you, There's no, just too much Not a big else. enough difference. Um, all right, so and if our offensive production is coming down to late-hit penalties. Yes, exactly. <laughs> against Pitt. Like, yeah. If this is a tight game against... At least a, to our concerns. If this is a tight game against a Big Ten rival and you get you know, you know, get a, a bad call late in the game and it swerves things, sure, be mad. When you win by seven against Pitt at home, don't give me shit about the officiating. Um Last couple things. So, uh, obviously, the missed extra point for the missed um, field goal. It felt like an extra point because it was so damn close. Uh, missed field goal by, by Pat Narluzzi, as you once crowned him. Uh, he decides He decides after we have the goal line stop, it is fourth and one. They're down by seven with five minutes left in the game. They decide to kick a field goal, and the dude shanks it. Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that call and that, that decision there? That's why they call him Pat Narluzzi, you know? He's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking loser. Loser. I, I even tweeted out uh, 
the gif of Will Ferrell from Wedding Crashers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this is me sitting on my couch watching college athletes. <laughs> <laughs> Loser. <laughs> Dude, isn't that the funniest part of all of this? And like we've, we've talked about it a million times. Like me, nor you, nor any of the other Twitter warriors could do any better on the field than these guys. Oh, no, dude, just... I was laying around in pajamas eating chocolate chip cookies, okay? Yeah, I was hungover <laughs> as fuck eating a breakfast sandwich, like, wishing I was dead, and this game did not help. Um, yeah, so, so Narduzzi's comments after the game was, you need two scores to win, uh, you know, I wasn't playing for a tie. What, dude? Like, what? It's fourth and one. Now, I get it. You just got stuffed three times in a row, right? But if you go for it and you score, it's a tie game with five minutes left, and now you have a chance to get the ball back and win because you need two scores. Uh, If you go for it and miss, we are on our one-yard line with an offense that has done nothing all game. Offense, I love you guys, but you know what I'm saying. Also, why didn't we get the ball on the one-yard line Um, after he missed that field goal? I was confused about that, actually. Actually, no. Wait, what happened on that play? I don't remember. We just got the ball at, like, the 20-yard line. Really? I didn't understand, yeah. Why am I not remembering this? Yeah, um, we, we opened, I, like, I thought they missed a play during, like, commercials or something. Yeah. But we just started with the ball at, like, the 20 or the 25 or something. All right. People, stand by, because I'm, I'm looking up the play-by-play on the box score right now. Um, we are going to fourth quarter. Uh, come on, come on, come on. All right, missed field goal. All right, okay. They missed the field goal at the PSU 1, and then first and 10 at the Penn State 20. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't understand That must why be some thing. sort of weird rule. I don't know. Okay, if anyone knows why that happened, please tweet at us. We'd actually love to know that. Because, like, not only does – is that not where the line of scrimmage was? That's not where the kick happened? No. <laughs> That's, it's like, at the I, 20. That's super weird. I don't know. I don't know. Someone I, figure that no out. There's no kind of touch stack that happens after missed kicks that I don't know about. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Someone figure that out and please tweet us because I need to know now. Um, all right. And the last thing that I have, and this is this is something I want to be very, very mad about, but I can't help but laugh at. On the last pit drive, there's like 10 seconds left, 8 seconds left, whatever. They throw the ball. They complete it. And the clock is ticking, 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 ticking. It gets down to like two seconds, one second, and kind of flashes zero. Franklin starts walking onto the field as if the game is over. Did you see this? Yeah, how do, you, how do we not know better? He is the king of pushing people back on the sideline to avoid penalties. Pushing people back. No, 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 get over there, get over there. It came off as he was like trying to pull one over. Like, all right, let's get out of here, we won. Like, it did, dude. right, didn't it? Dude, that's a bad look, man. That's a bad... It looked like you were scared that Pitt was about to come off and pull off a miracle. And you're like, yep, that's it. Clock's at zero. We're done. We're done. Let's get out of here. Dude. Yeah, I mean, because there's no way he doesn't realize that the clock stops. Yeah, it's a first down. first down. Come on. Like, come on, man. Like, I know we've criticized your clock management over yeah. the years, but come on. And we know, uh, you know that much. In the moment, I was furious. I'm like, I cannot believe he just did that. That looks so bad on us. Because uh, yeah, you know, was... too, if, if Pitt did pull off that miraculous winner, and even if it goes into overtime, thankfully, hopefully, we don't lose. But even if that happens, like, that is just on repeat of people. Oh, look at look at James Franklin. Thought he had won the game, but nope. Anyway, I'm not going to get actually mad at it, but I was really fake mad for a while. So James Franklin, 
Please don't do that again. I love you. You are the man. Please don't do that again. Uh, I think that's it for this episode. This is this is a very big ramble episode, and I apologize that you guys didn't hear my voice for a lot of me just reviewing bullshit, but I feel like that's what this game did to us. Like, yeah, this was a pretty bullshit game. It's a bullshit game. It's it's Pitt at home, Beaver Stadium, 17.5-point favorites. You win 17-10. It's, it's not pretty, um, but like I said, we go into a bye week, so we got a bye week, and then we have a Friday night game at Maryland. Um so this is our first road game of the season. First mm-hmm. Big Ten game of the season. Uh, Maryland did lose to Temple this week, so their their shooting star has come back down to earth a bit. Um, you know, their offense that looked pretty incredible put up, I think it was like 17 points or 20 points this week. Um, yeah. So we'll have a full breakdown, uh, you know, coming up going into that week. But uh, bye week, guys, rest up. Relax. No stress. <laughs> I mean, I'm I gotta, pretty stressed. I, I, I'm just going to forget about it for a while. I'm going to enjoy this bye week. Uh, maybe we'll do some some like bye week content for you guys, but probably not a full episode next week. Uh, we'll, we'll come up with something. But as always, we really appreciate you guys listening, tweeting at us, interacting with us. This is, uh, this is what makes this fun, even on a week where we're, we're a little bit upset and, and kind of old grumpy old men. But uh, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for everything, Pat. Anything else uh, before we close this one out? Uh, we are worried. We are moderately worried. Um, yeah, everyone go go drink and forget this game and get ready to beat the shit out of Maryland at their home. Thank you for listening. We are.